Welcome to the self-love revolution. I'm Ashley, a mental health therapist and self-love coach, and I'm here to simplify self-love and share how it's possible for any woman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the self-love revolution podcast. I am so excited to have Michelle here with me. We are talking about burnout today, which I definitely relate to, so I'm Really glad you're here to talk with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Can you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you. Um, So I'm a registered nurse, and I've been working primarily in the long-term care sector for over 16 years now. I started working in ICU when I first kind of came out of nursing school, and um, I moved to British Columbia, where I'm currently living, in 2006. And that story sort of brings me to where I am now because I uh, was hired to be the general manager of a long-term care home. And I uh, had all of the skills, presumably, to be able to do the job well. And I was told that the, the site was running really, really well. And when I got there, I realized quite quickly, in fact, that it was a very dysfunctional and toxic work environment. And I was extremely ill-prepared as a, as a new nurse and uh, new manager slash leader to be able to be leading a team of dysfunctional people and personalities. And it was sort of on that that started the spark in me around how we uh, promote and support people in leadership roles and the toxic work environments. And um, you know, over the years, it's it's led me now to being able to uh, create my own consulting business. And because of the global pandemic, I've been doing a lot of work in the last two years, primarily with healthcare workers around self-care, not being selfish, burnout, and um, and really kind of the, the idea of moral distress, which is a little bit different than stress and burnout. Um, and so those are kind of the, the conversations I've been having most recently. That's amazing. It's so needed, um, especially obviously in this time. Um, there's a lot of burnout, especially in the healthcare um, field. So that is amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, you mentioned moral distress. So I'm curious, what is the difference? Yeah, the thank you so much. That's a it's a great question, and and it's one that I find is becoming more familiar and used in in the healthcare spaces because a lot of the work that we do <clears throat> is around caring for others, and that comes from a set of of what we think is right and wrong in terms of not only what our training has taught us to do in terms of how we care for people, um, following best practices, and uh, you know just medical education and training that we've learned. But I think that from an ethical perspective, it also uh, it there's there's that piece too, right? It's that, those core values that we carry with us. And when we remember as kids, our parents said, "Well, you reach an age where you know what the difference between right and wrong." And I think that when you get into a position in 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 a workplace where the either the system or the leadership. Um, or the core values of that organization don't allow you to do what you know is the right thing to do, you start to go through this internal sense of suffering and distress because what you want to do is not always what you can do or feel that you're permitted to do. And so then there's this internal struggle that starts to happen. Um, And it's very different than stress and burnout. And stress and burnout are different from each other as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. It's that internal battle that people have. Mm-hmm. We we kind of live in this like busy driven society, which often leads to stress and burnout and these moral discrepancies. So what are your thoughts on just the society in general and our our focus on being busy and doing things? Yeah, it I think it's really damaging. And and I try to have a lot of grace when I have this conversation because I really do think that for most of the conversations that I've been part of or that I have uh, listened to, they have come from a place of good intention. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that when we talk about resiliency, it's kind of a buzzword right now about building your resiliency and this can help build your resiliency. <clears throat> and you know, I argue that resiliency is great. I've worked with a lot of First Nations, had the privilege of working alongside a lot of First Nations here in Canada. And we use that word a lot around resiliency in terms of their culture being very resilient. And and I think that there is um, an appropriate place to use that word. However, I think it's sort of gotten muffled into our, our general language in the sense of, well, if you build your resiliency, you'll just be okay. And for the people that aren't able to build their resiliency, then there's something wrong with them. And then you come from a place of scarcity and lack and that it's really a, a, an issue with me that, well, why wasn't I able to build my my resiliency? And I just think it's we need to be very careful with how we use that word and the context in which we use the word, recognizing that when someone has gone through a period of time um, of of you know, feeling stressed, leading to burnout, and then possibly moral distress, um, that it is very similar to going through a post-traumatic stress issue. Mm -hmm. And it changes the chemistry of your brain. It changes the way that your brain processes information and things. And so really it's your ego is there to protect you. Your ego is the one that's there to kind of hit that fight or flight response. And your ego is not able to sustain that all of the time. And I think yeah. that when you, when people tell you, well, just build your resiliency, you know, go for a massage, go for a walk in the forest and you'll feel better and you do those things and you don't, you start to think that there's something wrong with you. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's, there's really absolutely nothing wrong with you. Your brain is doing exactly what it was supposed to do. It's trying to protect you. It's just not able to do that over a sustained period of time. Yeah, for sure. I like you said um, that it makes people feel like there's something wrong with them. And I've definitely felt that way. I know my listeners have felt that way, that when we aren't doing something, when we aren't staying busy, we feel like there's something wrong with us. And that is, I think, where like the self-care and self-love comes in because there's nothing wrong with us for feeling the way we feel um, and for not agreeing with something, you know. Um, so I think that's something really important to remember is that there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And, and to have no judgment, you know, I'll say this, Mm -hmm. that this is a story that I I share because I think it's really important that even I missed it. Uh, you know, about a year ago when I first started uh, talking about self-care and I was actually teaching it, I uh, woke up one day and I was working from home that day. And I was doing the dishes and I burst into tears in the middle of doing dishes. And I had really no idea why I was crying. I didn't feel overly stressed out or like those, all those symptoms that, you know, you typically we talk about in terms of what burnout and stress looks like. I wasn't really feeling those things, but I couldn't stop crying. 
And, you know, my husband comes into the room and the poor man was like, what's wrong? And, <laughs> and I said nothing. And he says, but I know that there is something wrong. And in my mind, the first place I went to was just, you know, wipe your tears away, get over it. You're fine. You'll be okay. And this was while I was teaching people to not to do that. And so mm-hmm. even for myself, there was this internal dialogue of judgment to say, knock it off. You're fine. Other people are relying on you. You, you don't have time for this. And I really had to sit in that for a, quite a long time to be able to figure out why that was coming up for me and why I had those feelings. But then also, what do I do with them? And, and you know, that's one of the things that I tell people to do is if you're doing self-care practices like meditation, don't do it to try to feel better. Do it to feel everything because when you're feeling it is when you can work through it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good point to make for anyone who's in the like helping field. Um, I've definitely felt that way. Like, uh, like I can't do this. Like I know I need self-care. I know I need boundaries, but I don't always, you know, like I don't always do it. And so I think – that's just a great reminder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Grace, grace is an incredible thing. And I think that we don't give Mm -hmm. ourselves enough of it. Um, And, you know, I tell a lot of the people that I work with that when you're really giving it to yourself, you need to stop for a moment and ask yourself if this is the way you would talk to a close friend. And if Mm -hmm. you're, if the answer is no, then you have to ask yourself, then why do you think it's okay to talk to yourself that way? And, and I know that that's not something that people probably haven't heard before. Um, you know, but I, I do really think that what we think sometimes we believe to be true and the stories we create in our mind and the things that we tell ourselves about who we think we are are not actually true. We're just really listening to that dialogue that we've been got on rinse and repeat for a long time. And, and the only way to really stop that is to give yourself some empathy and know that you're doing the very best that you can in that moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about burnout. Um, can, well, first of all, can you share what burnout is, but also how can women prevent burnout? Yeah. So burnout can look a lot like, um, stress and burnout are difficult to, to discern just in terms of the symptoms that you see, um, the external symptoms, because, um, stress is generally from, uh, a place of, of too much, right? You're doing, you've taken, you feel like you've taken on too much. There's just too many things. There's too many things on your to-do list. It's just, and, and the sense that if I can just work through the list and get rid of some of the things to do, I'll feel better. Whereas burnout is a progression of that and it can look very similar, but in burnout, people typically start feeling a real sense of more of, of depression, of feeling, you know, apathy towards things that they used to like to do, very cynical at times. Um, There can be a lot of procrastination. You just constantly feel exhausted physically, mentally. Um, You can have headaches, overwhelm, anxiety. All of those things can start to surface. And it's because burnout comes from a place of, um, of lack, so it's it's when uh, you feel like things will never get better. So it, you kind of lose that sense of thinking that if I can do some things and get them off my plate, then I'll feel better. At the at the time you've reached burnout, it's it's really it's gone beyond that. You're really now in a place of feeling that there it nothing's ever going to get any better. 
And so, you know, how do you prevent that, I think, is different for every person. And, and, and I think for me, um, the first thing is to kind of know some of the cues and what to be looking for. And um, when you start to feel that way, again, you need to really kind of stop and ask yourself, what's happening for me? Why am I feeling this way? What's happening in my life right now that could be causing some of this? And do a real, you know, a check-in. Uh, and I think the other thing that that um, isn't, you know, maybe directly related in terms of a first step that some people would take, but I think a lot of people wait. Uh, you know, they, they're feeling tired and burnt out and they're like, oh, I just didn't sleep good last night. And we put it off and we put it off and we put it off. And one or two days of not feeling yourself is totally fine and normal. When When that becomes the norm, that's a trigger that something more is going on. And, and I think that the longer you wait to ask for help, whether that's just to a partner, a close friend, or a family member, maybe it is a counselor or a therapist. It doesn't need to necessarily start there. But asking for help can be one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And unfortunately, I think that we use that as a last resort because yeah. there's a sense of pride we all carry that if we can just figure this out on our own, then then it'll be okay and and the sense of kind of marching on and and I think particularly as women and as mothers we do have this sense of having to care and nurture for other people and often become very accustomed to putting ourselves last in terms of priority and that when you start to prioritize yourself that can feel very um, unaligned and not in a place where you feel good about that. It can make you feel very selfish, which then it's just this hamster wheel of of then you know you're you're kind of feeling all of those feelings again. So um, the first thing I generally tell people is when you start to see that you know maybe you 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 got a little bit angry and that's not really your type of personality, or you're feeling really tired all the time, or just sad, like you just don't have the passion to do things that you used to do that's probably a sign something's going on and it would be a good time to do a check-in. Yeah. I know you were talking about, you know, like kind of pushing through and to just keep going. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that place of just, you know, I, I just have to get through this and I just have to keep going. And it's, it's hard to take that step back and gain that awareness um, yeah. rather than to just keep going but like you said, then the cycle keeps going. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that I learned um, through all of this and, and supporting other people and being a nurse myself is that people like to help other people. You know, intrinsically, we are hardwired to connect. We are hardwired to connect with people that are part of our inner circle. And if you see someone that you love and care about struggling – you want to reach out. You want to help. And a lot of times what I found that people who are suffering from stress and burnout, other people are very aware. They can see it, even though you might think you're doing a really great job. And most of you probably are most of the time. But there will be some signs that people will notice that, you know, something's maybe a little bit wrong and they don't necessarily know how to approach maybe the situation or how to let you know that they're there. But if you reach out and let them know you need some help, they're, they, I guarantee that they'll be more than happy to, to offer that support. And, and, it, and it might be just something really simple like, hey, do you want to come for a walk with me? And just being able to have somebody with you to just talk, that can also really calm your central nervous system down. 
doing some deep breathing. Um, you know, I, I think there's lots of things to do, but it's really important, I think, for us to remember that there's no pride in asking for help. Uh, we all need it and people want to give it. Yeah. Community is so important. Yeah. And that kind of leads into self-care because obviously community is part of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other self-care practices that you recommend? Yeah, you know, I it's I think for everybody, it's one of those things that you have to sort of explore and figure out on your own and, and things won't necessarily just happen. So, you know, I like to differentiate when I teach about this, the difference between self-nurturing and self-care because they're a little bit different and and I and it's not really, you know, semantics. They really are very different. And that self-nurturing are really more the things like pedicures and manicures and going for a spa day. And while those are great and I love them, don't get me wrong, <laughs> um, those are the ones that I think when people think about self-care, those are the ones that typically will come up. And it can actually evoke stress and people are like, I don't have time for a massage. Like I have a house to clean. I have kids to take care of. I have a dog to walk or whatever it is. They just are like, no, I don't have time for that. But really self-care is about like being present with yourself in a moment where you're just being quiet. So that could just be grabbing a cup of tea and sitting outside for a few moments and running your feet for the grass. If it's, you know, if you're in a climate where you can do that right now, it could be just going for a five minute walk, Um, reading a couple of pages of a book. It's really just doing anything for you that just quiets your central nervous system. And that can involve meditation, journaling deep breathing. There are definitely breathing exercises that I do with some of my clients that will initially, like just in 30 seconds, will will slow down your central nervous system and help just sort of center you a little bit. And those are typically ones that I teach people to do like at the workplace where if they're feeling really stressed out, they can do it at their desk. Nobody really knows and it will help bring them back to center. Um, but what I typically don't recommend is that people try to do all the things overnight because it's not realistic and it's not sustainable. And there is power in making small ships. So, you know, I heard an analogy years ago that if you if a ship was out in the middle of the ocean and it turned two degrees, they would end up in a completely different place. And while I don't know if that's true, because I know nothing about navigation, to me that makes sense because I think that those small shifts can be monumental. And it's a culmination of small shifts over a period of time that are sustainable it's not about making the big grand gestures. So if you're not journaling now, um, but that's something that interests you, great. Try it a couple of days a week when you feel inclined and just set a timer for two minutes and, you know, build on that. It's I think it's, you know, James Clear talks about habit stacking and doing all of those things. If you're not familiar with that practice, then that's something that people can look at. And, and I teach that in my leadership course. Um, but I think it's really just about seeing what you're interested in and what you're already doing and just building on that. Yeah. And I always teach too that, you know, when you don't enjoy the self-care that you're doing, you won't be consistent with it and you won't see changes. So no, that's if a very you good don't point. like it, then you really aren't going to see changes. <laughs> no. And, and I think too, like sometimes self-care, I don't know if you find this or not, but I find that self-care sometimes can get a bad rap in terms of being very woo-woo. Um, for people who maybe aren't in that space where they're exploring that that part. And, and I don't think it is. I mean, really, it's about energy flow. 
And it's about finding your energy and kind of bringing that, like I said, bringing that energy back to a place where your your central nervous system isn't like an overload. It's just, it's calming a little bit. And it's, it's not about um, having to meditate and figure out how to transcend and do all of these things. It really can be super simple things you're already doing. And like you said, it's important to pick the ones that you already like or you won't do it. Yeah. yeah. I think what you said earlier, like, some people think, oh, I don't have time for this. Or like, I think a lot of people think of massages and pedicures and things like that when they think of self-care. But it, I mean, it can be, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be things, the simple things you do every day. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I've helped, I think, my clients recognize is that um, self-care when built into habits you already have are incredibly powerful. And one of the greatest ones I've heard a lot is is that if they can have a bedtime routine that they stick to, that incorporates some self-care. So whether that's just putting on like a face mask a couple of days a week or taking an extra five minutes in your bubble if you have a bath or just a really nice hot shower. And and when you're practicing those things, even, you know, people laugh when I say doing the dishes. That's not really self-care. I hate doing the dishes. Um, but I try to be when I'm doing those things I don't like to do, or I think are kind of time suckers, I try to be really mindful while I'm doing those things. So I'll look out my kitchen window and I will look out at nature and be like, oh, the trees are turning, the seasons are, you know, summer's coming and the days are getting longer. And oh yeah, I feel a lot better because I I love the summer. And I think about the next vacation we're going to go on and it just changes your mood and sort of calms you down. So I think sometimes it's also just about being really mindful. If you're brushing your teeth in the morning, what's the intention you're going to set for the day? How do you want to show up for other people? You know, I'm going to do my best to be really positive today. And if you don't every time, okay, so it's a reset. You etch a sketch it and you start over again. There's no shame in perfection or trying to be perfect. perfect. Um, but I think it's really just taking those few moments and, and trying to be more mindful about that. Yeah. I think it's really easy to just go through the motions of what we have to do every day. But when we shift that mindset, it can really change things. Absolutely. Any other like thoughts on specifically self-love and how burnout, stress um, can relate to self-love? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think that one of the things that I learned when I first started teaching about self-care, particularly to healthcare providers, um, and part of, we would have these conversations and people would get stuck in that. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. What I realized was that when I first started teaching on this, I was actually setting people up for failure. Because what I didn't address is that for a lot of women in particular, and also healthcare professionals, they feel like if they need to be in service, they have to be all in or they're not serving at all. And I think that's very true of many of us who have those types of personalities where, you know, for a mother, if we're not doing all the things, then we're an awful mother. It's, it's this, you know, either or on either end. And, and I don't think it, it needs to be. And that comes from a lot of people. What I've learned is because they have hard time setting boundaries. They are consummate people pleasers and perfectionists. And I think that when you can look at those three things and understand that 
just in in trying to recognize how to support someone in those three areas allows them to be able to nurture themselves in a very different way. And when you are able to uh, discover those aspects of yourself and develop some skills and tools to create some boundaries for yourself and to not feel that you have to be perfect all the time and that you don't need to be people-pleasing all the time, it allows you to understand and value your worth as an individual and as a person and that you have a right to show up for yourself before anyone else. So it's it's sort of like that call a friend. You know, if you your tire blows out on the side of the road and you have nobody to call, <clears throat> excuse me, and you know, you've got a, a new friend and you think, oh, I just met this person. I don't really want to call them. You have no one else to call and they show up for you. Like, oh yeah, I'm right. I'll be right there. That's, I think that's, that's who we need to be to ourselves. We need to trust that when times get tough, we're going to show up for ourselves and we're going to be able to put ourselves before other things without feeling bad because you can't give from an empty cup. And again, that's not revolutionary. We've all heard that, but it's really true. If we want to show the best versions of ourselves to the people that we love and to ourselves, then we need to be able to, you know, fill up that battery at the end of the day. It's like our cell phone. If you don't plug it in, it's not going to just recharge itself overnight and be ready to start again the next day. Uh, you need to be able to find time to kind of recharge and reboot. So I think it's really about looking at those those pieces of yourself, giving yourself grace and humility and knowing that in those moments of, of tough times, you're doing the very best that you possibly can. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of those pieces for me that I try to get people to get to. Um, around self-love because it's just so easy for us to beat ourselves up sometimes and yeah. yet we will give the grace to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think something you just said really stood out to me and that was know your worth. And I think yeah. all of these things, the burnout, the stress, um, they can all lead to a lack of self-worth. And so, you know, finding that self-worth, whether it be through self-care or whatever form it is, you know, um, it's all about knowing your worth. Yeah. I often tell a lot of the nurses that I work with to stop playing the if only game. You know, it sounds a lot like, well, if only I would have done this, or if only I had more time, or, you know, if only I had it, you know, and then that gets into the um, but I should have done this or I could have done this, um, you know, and I, those are, that's just such a place of scarcity. It, and I always tell people that it didn't, it doesn't matter if you had more time, if the mindset's not in the right place, you're still not going to make the time to do the things that you want to do for yourself because you haven't gotten to that place where you feel that you're worthy of it. And once yeah. you come to that place in recognition that you're worthy um, and that it's important to nurture yourself with self-care in the same way that you would go to a doctor's appointment or go get your eyes checked and your teeth checked, that when you when you give it that same level of attention and respect, it, that's only when I think the transformation and the understanding happens in terms of how important it is. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Um, and thank you for what you do. It is so important, especially in the health field. It's so needed. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was really, really nice. It's it's nine o'clock in the morning here, and this is just a great way to start my morning. So thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah.
Thanks for listening to the Self-Love Revolution podcast. Make sure you subscribe and visit selfloverevolutionpodcast.com for more resources. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for joining me, Ashley, in this episode of the Self-Love Revolution podcast. I'll see you next time.